Welcome to Please Bet on Football Games. Welcome to the Please Bet on Football Games podcast. It is now week 15 and we are recapping week 14. And by we, I mean me, because I was the one who got all the picks right on my own last week. And therefore, Alex doesn't get to revel in the glory this week. Now, in all seriousness, uh, Alex is really, really busy lately. Uh, Full disclosure, he's a real lawyer in the summer and a lawyer in training during the school year. And this is finals. So I am unburdened by academia which means that I, Joe, the keeper of the reel, at BMATFTS, get to come to you live from my apartment in New York, now featuring a soundboard. Nobody gives a fuck! Nobody cares. Either way, let's start off by just recapping what we did last week. We're back on our winning ways. Uh, We've had a few weeks where we've been winning just like a little less than a unit. (laughs) We're winning, but we're not winning good. This week, we got shit right. We're up 3.8 units, 80% hit rate, bringing our season total to plus 10.28 units, which is a 10.71% ROI and a 54.43 win percentage. We're back in the black and we're still killing it. Uh, Our best bet, we're going to start there. Our best bet was Tampa over Buffalo, minus three. Yeah, it went to overtime, but frankly, it, it was never in doubt and it was absolutely a fair result. Tampa kind of took their foot off the gas pedal in the second quarter because this game was well on its way to being a disgusting blowout. And when that happens, shit gets fucky. In fact, this week was highlighted by games that were absolute blowouts and then got fucky. We'll move to another one, the only loss of the week. Broke my goddamn heart. Cleveland over Baltimore, minus 2.5. This is one of the worst beats I think I've ever had. The Browns were up about 20 points in the first half, and the Ravens were accomplishing nothing. But in garbage time with a backup quarterback, they marched. Kevin Stefanski quite literally decided he was going to let the Ravens score a touchdown because he was up nine points. Browns are up nine points with about three minutes left. And it's very clear that the Browns' philosophy was give them seven points because we can, but make them take as long as they can to score those seven points. We'll get the ball back and knee it out. And it almost backfired on them when they didn't get the onside kick but we'll bitch about Kevin Stefanski later. It was an unfair result, and I should have been 100%. That would have brought our winnings to like 5.2 units, and that would have been fucking killer. But actually, it would have been 5.7 units. It would have been fucking killer. That would have been awesome. But we live and we learn. Another game that had almost exactly the same trajectory was Dallas over Washington, minus four. Dallas won 27-20. It was not that close. But it was also a little closer because if... Oh, God, I don't remember his last name, but his name, he goes by Rock. If wide receiver number one on Washington catches that perfectly thrown ball by Kyle Allen down the sideline that hit him in the hands, they have a 50-50 chance of taking that game to overtime. And if it's in overtime, we have a 50-50% chance of covering the minus three. So <laughs> we got out on the lucky end, despite Dak, Pres- Dak Prescott trying to give it away. I'd say it's still a fair result. Seattle over Houston, never in doubt, absolute blowout, fair result. Don't really think anybody needs to talk about it. And then Los Angeles over Arizona, money line. Our final bet of the week, I'm not going to lie, when I heard about Jalen Ramsey and Tyler Higby, I was worried. But despite the fact that we lost a little bit of line value, we got it at plus 120. It eventually got up to about plus 150, depending on which book you had it at. It's always nice to hit a plus money, money line, especially on Monday night. So yeah, overall, the pod was up 3.8 units. I personally was up five units. 
I lost on Pittsburgh. I won on Dallas. I lost on Cleveland. I won on a teaser of Dallas, Tennessee, and Kansas City. I should have just parlayed that. I won on Tampa and I won on LA. Came out to 80% and $4,967 in one penny. That penny matters. But with that being said, I think it's time to jump to some fucks. All right. I I don't know how I'm going to manage this, but I guess we're going to have to start with the humbleness. And if you want me to say I fucked up, I fucked up. I fucked up. Uh, first thing I fucked up on was that I took the Steelers plus three on Thursday Night Football. And while that game basically came down to a drop, like this is a personal bet, by the way, not a pot bet. But while that game came down to a drop on the very last play and, you know, Chase Claypool squandering a play by being a fuck boy who really needs his ass beaten like many times. The Steelers problem was that they wasn't, they weren't prepared. They didn't come out swinging until the second half. And my problem was that I wasn't prepared. Um, I had been slacking lately. And frankly, I think my handicap had been showing, my handicaps had been showing it. I hadn't been updating my algorithm because I was just, you know, going off of priors and ah, my algorithm's close enough. There's too much injury chaos. Well, this week after Thursday Night Football, I went and I reworked my algorithm and I had actually, um, I had given a very loyal follower, Restore the Roar, I'd given him a little shit because he and Steve Fezzik, who is a very good logic handicapper, they both had the Steelers somewhere around 29th in their power rankings. And I was like, that's fucking crazy. No way they're the third or fourth worst team in the NFL. And then I did my algorithm and I like broke down all the injuries that are on their team. And yeah, I've got them like 28th. So I need to, I need to be more diligent on updating my power rankings because I actually agreed with them. And while I probably would have still made the same bet, I don't know, maybe I wouldn't have been as confident. Either way, the Steelers weren't prepared. I wasn't prepared. That's my fuckery. As far as the pod picks go, it's hard to say you fucked up when every bet cashed in amazing fashion. Like I should have been taking reverse lines. I should have been taking pleasers on all my bets because they all did that well. But the one loss is Cleveland by a half a point on the final drive of the game. And I think, and again, if you'll recall, my handicap was not so much that I'm betting on Cleveland, which is something that I'm not really keen to doing anymore. My handicap was more so I'm betting against the Ravens because they suck and Lamar Jackson is terrible and nobody's noticing. Remind me for next week, I have to get the clip from the big short where Ryan Gosling says, nobody's paying attention because that's basically that clip right there encapsulates my entire being. Anyhow. I should have factored in more carefully that Kevin Stefanski is a fucking idiot. And Kevin Stefanski will, by way of cowardice, finagle a loss against the spread out of the jaws of absolute victory. He's, he's got that Vrabel streak. If he's got 10 points lead, he will give you nine if he can get away with it to avoid having to, like, I don't know, call a downfield pass or, you know, display any modicum of competence as a play caller. He's just a bitch and a terrible coach. And frankly, he would not be employed if it was not for how incredible Baker Mayfield and Miles Garrett are. Like realistically, the rest of the team, there's a few bright spots, but those two players are just playing out of their fucking minds lately. And that's all you can ask for. But like I said, it's really hard to have such a strong take when... It's really hard to have such a strong take against yourself when you were this fucking good. So let's move on to the more relevant segment. Fuck you, pay me. Fuck you, pay me. Uh, I can't just say everything, right? I can't just. All right. Uh, let's 
let's start with Cleveland, just because it's right there. Baker Mayfield played out of his fucking mind again, and despite the fact that he's got no receivers, his offensive line is banged up to hell, and his play caller must have been castrated some years ago. Uh, he was he was throwing dimes. He was absolutely carrying them on offense because the running game it hasn't been working in about a month. And frankly, and don't tell Alex this, I. I think that I think that Dearness Johnson is their best running back because he seems to be the only one that can break a tackle. So for all you fucking idiots out there, especially that Teddy Seven Rings motherfucker, first of all, bet on football games. Second of all, if you can't get hit by a train and don't get hit by a train, actually, I don't want any, no blood on my hands. Take very good care of yourself. Everybody's loved by somebody, even if it's not me. Third of all, fuck you, pay me. Baker Mayfield's great. And the reason that I ride his dick so hard is because nobody fucking realizes that probably the third or fourth best quarterback is playing in Cleveland. Like people are talking about maybe they should bench him. Meanwhile, he's better than all but a handful of dudes in the NFL right now. Uh, Speaking of dudes that everybody seems a lot higher on than Baker Mayfield, let's go to Dak Prescott. Because while my handicap was totally right, like this is a fuck you pay me after all. My handicap was totally right. They got healthy, which means they had three killer receivers and three killer edge rushers with Lawrence and Gregory returning to complement Micah Parsons. And then Lamb, Cooper, frankly, Cedric Wilson, but primarily Michael Gallup. Everybody's playing and they look incredible. Just get them the ball and just let those defensive ends eat. If you have those two edge rushers in Gregory and Lawrence coming off the end, and then you have Parsons blitzing from somewhere in between them. Come on. That's not fair. No, no offensive line can handle that much pressure. However, Dak Prescott still sucks. And I've long been on the train of Dak Prescott. Just go and find the exact Mendoza line of a starting quarterback. Like, go find exactly what you think sufficient is for a starting NFL quarterback. Not a franchise guy, just like a starter. And then take like a half a step backwards. Just lean backwards. That's Dak Prescott. The highest C minus you'll ever give, but the most underwhelming C you'll ever give. He proved it again. He was just awful. He threw two of the worst picks you'll ever see. He transcended nothing. And he came out with a grade that was a, uh, just a fucking perfect, perfect C minus. Not quite perfect enough that Dak Prescott could hit it from a clean pocket, but no, I'm kidding. He did have a few passes though, where like CD Lamb's wide open, just put it on him. Nope. <sighs> Next up, uh, let's just go to Tampa. They're killing it. They're the best team in the NFL. Everything's coming together. And it's it's scary because their defense is half-assing it. They're fucking around with trying to teach Richard Sherman how to play safety. And I think he'll be great at covering as a safety, but his tackling is going to be a problem. And I totally neglected that. Like, I was kind of really excited about Richard Sherman playing strong safety because he can drop really well. I mean, that's all he ever did as a corner is just deep, deep drop zone. Just bail, like a lot of cushion. Like he always played five to 10 yards of cushion and then a bail drop zone technique. Likes to guard a third or a half of the field. And that's what a good coverage strong safety does. But the problem is that a strong safety has to come up and make a tackle sometimes in space. And I forgot that Richard Sherman cannot do that he okay verbal meme we've got the strong white guy and the strong black guy and they're clasping hands epically and right in the middle and then oh so the one the one i won't say which but one arm is richard sherman and one arm is dk metcalf and right in the middle that fucking clasp is never changing directions it's really upsetting and he got burnt by it once in the fourth quarter against buffalo on that last drive by josh allen to tie it up 
And as soon as I saw him approaching the ball carrier in space, I was like, oh, fuck, I overlooked this part of his game. But the fact that I can pontificate about Richard Sherman and his open field tackling abilities for like five minutes just goes to show how few flaws there are in this team. They're not trying. They're running vanilla defenses as far as they go. Like their coverages are being very vanilla. It's all it's all soft. It's all zone. They're not manning. They're not concealing anything. They're not switching things pre and post snap. Simple. And I mean, their blitzes are still exotic, but they'll always be exotic. That's just what Bulls does. But the coverages, when they lock up in the playoffs and games that matter in tight games, that defense is going to be pretty decent. And the offense, Brady had a not so good second half and they still put up 30 points easily. And it could have been a lot more. And like Brady had two misses in the second half that are very uncharacteristic of him, that if he gets them, we're looking at a 45, 50 point game. A uh, quick one that I think anybody with a brain knows is Houston gave up. So that, that game against Jacksonville is going to be fucking fun. Cause I mean, fuck you pay me, I guess, but like urban Meyer is a train wreck and the Jaguars are fucking crippling Trevor Lawrence and his development. I'm not going to punt it. I'm not going to go on about that one, but Houston also has given up. Their veterans have checked out. Davis Mills is actually playing pretty decent football for a rookie. Uh, and per my grades, over the course of a year, he is the best rookie quarterback, which is saying almost nothing because I have him as a C to C plus quarterback right now. It's just that like he's got a little more arm talent than Davis or not than Davis Mills, than Mac Jones. He's significantly more mobile than Mac Jones and he handles a pocket a lot better than Mac Jones. He doesn't put the ball in harm's way as often as Mac Jones. And both of those guys should be a bridge quarterback at best right now. I think Davis Mills can improve because I'm pretty sure Davis Mills has had as many starts in the NFL as he did in college. And that is significant, in my opinion. Like, I think that he can get a lot better. His coaching was also significantly worse at Stanford than Matt Jones's was at Alabama. But I digress. That's offseason talk. Houston's given up, which means that that game against Jacksonville is going to be a fucking train where I could, I pity the fool who tries to handicap it or, God forbid, watch it. And finally, how about those Rams? They're fucking back. And not only are they back, but they did it without one of my least favorite players in Jalen Ramsey, who, if you listened last week, you'll remember that I noted, while I think Jalen Ramsey is probably a cornerback too, and he's extremely overrated, and he's got a niche that he fills, and this year the Rams have almost exclusively played him in the slot. That's a lie. Not almost exclusively, but they've played him the way that, you know, the, the Broncos used to play Chris Harris. Like, he's been a typical slot, and they call it the star position, but he's a fucking slot corner. They'll flex outside in certain matchups, and so did Chris Harris. So does every slot corner you've ever heard of. So... I thought that he would be a great matchup for New Hopkins because they're both similar sizes. They both win with physicality that is, quite frankly, outside the fucking rule book. And they both have great ball skills. And I maintain that. I think that that's true still to this moment. But he got popped for COVID right before the game. The Rams had to change up their defensive scheming on the fly. And they still pulled it out. I'm pretty impressed. I'm not going to lie. I was a little nervous. But the Rams, like, they didn't play their best game either. Like, they... First of all, when you're missing your starting tight end and two of your best offensive linemen, like two of your best three offensive linemen in your center and your right tackle, which are kind of important pieces, I would say. You're missing your center, your right tackle, your tight end. Robert Woods is hurt, but yeah, I mean, that's just what it's going to be. And your best running back, because while Sony Michelle has great vision, he has literally nothing else. When you're missing all that and you just run rough shot over the Arizona Cardinals, I'm impressed. Now the Arizona Cardinals are overrated. And I've been on this train since August. They are an average team with a ton of luck. And Kyler Murray has fumbled. Oh, God, I'll find you the real number if you want me to. 
So aside from the five pickable throws that Kyler had yesterday night, three of which came in the final drive, which is kind of garbage time, and I'll, I'll give him a break. So I've graded five games of Kyler Murray's, and he's fumbled four times. He has not lost any of those fumbles. He fumbled twice against Cleveland. Cardinals recovered both. If the Browns pick up either of those fumbles, people are talking very differently about Kyler Murray, and the Cardinals will certainly lose that game. Against the Packers, he had a pickable. Oh, sorry. Against Cleveland, he had three fumbles. Against the Packers, he had a pickable, but he also had a fumble. The dude turned the ball over, or tried to turn the ball over 12 times in the five games I'm graded. It's absurd. He's bad. He's just bad. His highlights are also absurd and really fun, but never judge an NFL team, player, or your girlfriend by the highlights because they'll always mislead you. That's, that's dating advice from Joe. I've officially reached Colin Cowherd status. Other than that, I don't know what to say. It's very difficult to have these, you know, the, these uh, critiques of myself and these back padding moments when I'm alone. Like part of Alex's purpose is that he's supposed to be here to tell me where I went wrong and to tell me where I went right. But once again, I would just like to say, fuck you, pay me. I hit 80% and it should have been 100. Doing terrific. Let's hit some commercials. And when we come back, we'll do some angling. All right, we're back and we're angling. This is just going to be the part where I pontificate. I look for shit that I noticed this week. We see what we can do with it. So I already mentioned that I had the bad beat of a lifetime betting on Cleveland. And I think that you just have to put the Browns in that Tennessee Titans, you know, column where you don't take them minus anything more than two, because they will give, they will use, they're like, they're like the Native American. Don't call us that. They use every part of the lead. If they, have, if they have a 10-point lead, they would love to give up nine points and then take a knee. That, that is ideal in their book. And just, it's bad coaching. It's a stupid philosophy. It screams castration. But it's my own goddamn fault because we had so many goddamn legs last week that I could have parlayed it with. And instead, I wasted my time parlaying things like Tampa Bay down to minus two and Dallas down to minus two. I didn't need to do that shit. I should have been parlaying Cleveland down to minus two. But I'm an idiot. Uh, Derek Carr strikes again. At the beginning of the year, Derek Carr had a lot of success because when he would get pressured, he would backpedal and off of his back foot, throw the ball as high and hard as he could. And Henry Ruggs would either be open at the other end or Zay Jones would go in sky to get a ball out of nowhere. They, they had, or, you know, Darren Waller could just be better than he could be as fast as Ruggs and as vertical as Zay Jones and get the ball himself. But Waller wasn't there. And Derek Carr is back to freaking out when he's pressured. See, before this year, especially before Gruden, Derek Carr's modus operandi when he panicked, when he got pressured, is to panic. And when he got panicked, he would just check it down and throw it away because he's kind of a bitch that hates contact. Everybody remembers the famous picture of him crying and then him getting really upset in the media the next day, almost crying, saying he wasn't crying the first time. And it's like, dude, well, either you were crying because you got hit, which is respectable, or now you're crying because we said you were crying, which makes me think you were definitely crying that time too. This being said, Derek Carr wasn't playing the D caliber football in this Chiefs game that he has so often this year. Instead, the Chiefs just got really fucking lucky. The Chiefs had three bullshit takeaways, and that is why they won the game. Fumbles from Josh Jacobs that are inexplicable. Fumbles from, I don't remember, but Derek Carr threw a nice pass about 10 yards downfield. Ball carriers running in the clear, and boof, coughs it up. Kansas City won that game in a blowout, and Patrick Mahomes did nothing. Which takes me to another angle, which is 
The rumors of Patrick Mahomes' return are greatly exaggerated, but we'll get to that in a second. Derek Carr is back to being Derek Carr, and the Raiders are imploding with terrible coaching. And the Browns are missing almost a dozen players due to COVID this upcoming week. Not a joke, not an exaggeration. But depending on where that line is, again, has to be under 2.5. I may be taking the Browns against the Raiders because Miles Garrett, Jadevian Clowney, and Tack McKinley are going to get pressure on Derek Carr, period. And when he gets that pressure, he will check it down or, God forbid, do something worse, especially because that Raiders offensive line is just (laughs) not good. Moving on, we'll go to Kansas City with their bullshit takeaways that made their defense look a lot better than it was. Now they've lost Chris Jones for this Thursday due to COVID. That's a big fucking loss. And on the call, which I'll probably honestly just record like after I finish this, we'll talk about that game. But Mahomes is not fixed. I, I, I graded every snap of this game too, and it was another C-. minus. He put the ball in a little bit of harm's way. He did very little to transcend scheme. It was a lot of short shit and yards after the catch. And that's great. It shows that he can check the ball down, but he's not particularly good at it. His real accuracy numbers were mediocre like he was accurate on 80 percent of his passes but 60 percent of his like 60 percent of that was bitch plays it was just check down screen pop pass shit like that like sorry i give him a c plus i mean small sample size because i stopped grading after the first half when the game was very clearly over but another thing to keep in mind is that the raiders are really dumb on defense they run a single high cover three and they continued to run it knowing that so The PFF podcast talked a lot about this, and I'm sure that if you guys want to hear it in depth, you can go there. You're capable. Basically, everybody in the league is running two-man against the Chiefs, and it's working like gangbusters. The Raiders say, well, we don't really have the guys to run two-man because Jonathan Abram has to be on the field. He can't do two-man. First of all, if your strong safety can't do two-man, he can't cover half the field on a deep shell, you need a new strong safety. Like, it's not a matter of he's a good player and he just has this one weakness. It's a matter of like, you should probably just cut him or move him to defensive end because you have to be able to do a cover two shell. Additionally, like they already tried this the first time they played him and the Chiefs just torched him anyway. Like it wasn't close again. So they should have known like, okay, I know that we don't do two man very well, but we got to try because we tried it our way and it did not work. They didn't do that. They went right back to the same old shit. So really all we know from the last month and a half, two months is that the Chiefs can score a lot of points, A, when they get three touchdowns on extremely short fields off of bullshit turnovers, but B, they can score a lot of points against a Raiders team that is in complete distress and refuses to run the defense that most teams run and stop them with. I think that we should look to fade the Chiefs, at least on offense, and honestly on defense too. Their defense has been performing like a top five unit lately, and I think that they're more like a top... 15 20 unit somewhere between like 12 and 20 in that like it's good but not great range and as much as it's like scary to say i don't think that the chief's offense is very good that's the fact what are you gonna do facts don't care about your feelings Uh, another angle that i have is just that justin fields is painfully stupid like it's really hard to watch he's terrible and there's really no angle here like not yet at least because the bears are completely decimated their roster is just shit Everybody knows their shit. Matt Nagy knows he's on the way out. Like, there's really, it's going to be prohibitive to fade them. And I guess I'll keep my eye out, but they're going to be 10 to 12 point dogs in a lot of these fucking games. So I don't know. It's, it's difficult to actually find a play here. 
other than next year, whenever the Bears sign what it will inevitably be a terrible coaching hire, and they try to rebuild their team a little bit, keep betting against them because Justin Fields will not get that much better. He's really, he's got all the talent in the world as far as just physical shit, but the dude threw three pickable balls and fumbled. That's four turnover worthy plays in a game where Matt Nagy was pulling out all the stops using every fucking trick in the book and literally creating 14 points just off of awesome scheme. Uh, Literally the opposite is Trevor Lawrence looking like a decent, (laughs) I see this is the thing. I was never high on Trevor Lawrence to come out in the beginning. I was like, eh. He's very similar to Andrew Luck, and I was pretty low on Andrew Luck. I think that Lawrence can be a top 10 quarterback, probably not too much more than that. He'll be in that, you know, 8 to 10 range. Like, I have him back there with where I currently have Russell Wilson. And Russell Wilson's kind of a bad comparison because he's in the process of sliding all the way down into hell, except I do it slowly because I don't have as much confidence as I would like to. But I I have him at a 2.5 grade right now. For reference, Dak Prescott, who I just lambasted before the commercial break, is at a 2.3. So I don't love Trevor Lawrence, but holy shit, man. First of all, Urban Meyer is terrible in every single way. Second of all, I don't know how anybody ever thought that the dude who couldn't call plays or design a scheme well in the Big Ten was going to hack it in the NFL. Third of all, their team just kind of sucks. Like their offensive line is really bad. The whole offensive line. Like there's not a single part of that offensive line where you're like, hey, that's something to build on. Cam Robinson, I didn't like him coming out. And he is average at best. On his good days, he is not a problem. And then their wide receivers. Oh my God. I saw one play on Twitter today that I, I actually laughed out loud when I saw it. They ran shotgun five wide receivers, right? Three on the right, two to the left. And all five wide receivers, literally all five wide receivers ran identical four yard slants. If any of you have played Madden, you know that first of all, that route tree is, or, you know, that pattern is just the opposite of diverse. Like you have no chance at getting a big play on that. And also you don't even have like a safety valve. Second of all, on that play, you know that if everybody is lined up in the same general areas and they're all running slants that are the same depth, you're just crowding defensive backs in the same general area. So any pass to any of those wide receivers has to be fucking gnarly or else it is going to get picked off or at least batted. I mean, fuck with that much traffic. It might just hit a defensive back in the fucking face if he's not looking. That's just really stupid. And then they had another route where they had one guy running a 10-yard or 15-yard out and another guy running a 10 or 15-yard in and they lined up directly next to each other. So when they ran it, they fucking ran into each other and the ball that Trevor Lawrence threw, which was accurate, falls on the ground a few yards away because they had already collided. It's truly impressive what a failure that team is on every level. It really is. And they have a couple pieces, man. They got LaVisca Chanel, who I like. They got the good Josh Allen, who is still better than the other Josh Allen that improved a ton and has had two straight good fucking weeks. (sighs) If they don't fire Urban Meyer soon, I mean, honestly, I'm at the point where I think the Jaguars should get their team taken away from them. Like the NFL should force Shad Khan to sell the team because he's he's been bad. He's been a terrible owner and he doesn't seem to want to fire Urban Meyer. And honestly, the NFL should just say like, hey, okay, we're going to take this from you. We're going to give it to any billionaire who has a fucking brain. We're going to move this team anywhere the fuck else because Florida doesn't need three teams. And we're just going to start over. 
I'm trying to think if I have any other angles. LA, the Rams, um, bet on the Rams because Matt Stafford didn't look quite right on Monday night and he put up an A-plus performance. So he's got it in the bag and McVay was back on his bullshit calling lots of play action, lots of creative running game to set up the passing game, passing plays to set up passing plays to set up run plays and those run plays in turn set up play action and more passing plays. It was just really cohesive and really brilliantly done. I was very impressed. And I think we should fade the Cardinals because I think that they might win one more game this year. And that includes the playoffs. I think they'll have a first round exit. And I don't think they get the bye. I think that the Buccaneers will eventually get the first round bye. Maybe the Packers. It'll be the Packers or it'll be the Buccaneers. It ain't going to be the fucking Cardinals. I'll tell you that. But anyhow, I think that's enough for my recap. Sorry about the fucking solo pods. Let me know what you guys think. If you guys would rather I just cut out the solo pods because they're weird, totally get it. Personally, I feel like it's just kind of strange that I'm talking at my computer and hoping that people listen. What sort of backwards fucking pageantry is that? But thanks for bearing with me anyways. Thanks for letting me brag about my killer week, getting back on track, getting back to being up eight units personally on the NFL regular season, 10 units on the NFL season in total. But uh, until I publish the call, which will not be a call, hasta.